0: Okay, so we are going to wrap up our creation series today because this is the last lesson until after open house.
1: Oh.
0: And today we are going to look up at how creation speaks of God. So, what have you learned about creation so far?
1: It takes place in the book of Genesis.
0: Okay. It's
1: There was seven days of it. Okay. One of that is for resting. Okay. The person was made of another person's bread.
0: Okay, Eve was made out of Adam's rib, right? Oh, um, Noah.
1: He happened after this.
0: He happened after creation, but we're looking at. I mean it. Did we talk relates, about that in Sunday school? What? I feel like we did mention the like the Ark of that
1: Levi.
0: Yes. Okay. What else about creation? Oh,
1: there is lots of uh, firmament.
0: Okay, the firmament, the waters, in the sky. Okay. Um. All right.
1: Because he was jealous. So then, Cain had to wander. That
0: long time. Why?
1: Because that was his punishment. Yes. Um, and if he didn't move, people would kill him,
0: right? No. There was something to prevent people from killing him. There was the sign. Is it on his forehead? Uh, yes, I believe it was on his forehead. And I yes. Like yes, correct. They would know not to. Alright, we're just reviewing <coughs> so far. Specifically creation, though. We're gonna, this is our last lesson until after Open House. And we will start a new series then. So, um. well what notable things do you have about creation specifically in the first seven days what's something that is that speaks to you about God in creation maybe I could say it like this what's something about creation then when you look at it it reminds you of God could be an amazing sunset could rainbow. Be a rainbow okay rainbow is good Promise, One that God set specifically that and told you that when you look at this, remember what I, my promise was that I would never flood the earth again when to destroy it. Wait,
1: does that mean how burn
0: the earth? It does talk about fire destroying the earth in the end times. Yes. So, that will be a part of it.
1: Why do I feel like that's going to be soon?
0: No one knows when it will be.
1: I know, but with all the weird weather events lately and the temperature rising a lot.
0: Well, what I can tell you is that we are closer today than we were yesterday.
1: No kidding, the volcano went off. Well, and, uh, time bunch of just marches stuck on. Alright. Let's screen focus screen on the beginning high. for
0: now and in the current. What about creation speaks to you?
1: I, since Levi talked about it, the idea of like the water cycle and um, I know part brought up every week, but it's okay. and, like the separation like water was above the firmament and like the idea of like God create, created the atmosphere and like the water cycle is like so perfect that like the system has not <coughs> Like it just continues on to be like you can study it as a science and like it's just like so perfect and like predictable,
0: like it's I like that. Predictably perfect. You could say. Okay. Anyone have anything else? It doesn't have to be complicated, although complicated things well, are know, amazing. Okay, good, so light has a lot of different um, depths and levels to to meaning, right? So it can mean truth, it can just um, make things visible, (coughs) that's important to us, right? We're not creatures where we could survive with just Holy our God. sense of smell and touch. We're not one of those. We actually have some of the worst smell <laughs> out there for animals. And mine's even worse than most humans, so. Um, what else? Hey, Natalia, what about creation is something that speaks to your soul? You could just say a favorite part, or it doesn't have to be your favorite, or something you like. The animals, okay. We're gonna talk about some animals tonight, so I won't push you too hard on that. What about you, Felicia? What about creation?
1: I guess I like fire and wind.
0: Okay, fire and wind? Fire is one of those things that is awe-inspiring, right? Why would you say it's awe-inspiring? If it's
1: essential for life. of the heat, is it, it fits
0: up, but like also it fits like destroyed. It's powerful, right? It's something that if it's not controlled, can do a lot of damage. But
1: yeah, enough, for example, you,
0: right? But used in the right way, it is a powerful tool, right? <laughs> and something that is also beautiful to watch it. When you sit around a campfire, like we did recently, what do you? What does everybody do? look at the fire wow because it's it is it's a in a small m miracle it is a miracle right it's something that you can't that you couldn't even come up with on your own the concept of this thing that consumes a fuel but provides heat and provides a, a tool to work metal with and all these amazing, amazing thing, things about it. So, when you look at, it, we just picked out a couple things, and we see that God has, as it's been described in the Bible, that He hung the earth in the sky, which is a interesting way. It almost makes you think of an ornament. like a hand, with a string, right? And then you have the earth, hanging it in the sky, right? Or, obviously, you know it doesn't hang from a string, (laughs) right, out there, but it puts, it makes you, when you say, God hung the earth in the sky, it puts a picture in your mind that God is smaller than the earth, right? No. No. What's it make you think he is?
1: Like big. He's bigger,
0: right? That he controls it, that he can hold it in his hands, that he is the one who set it up. And sometimes the earth and creation has been described as like an intricate clock. That it, Have you ever seen the inside of a clock? like a old clock not a digital clock but like one yes yeah, something like that there are some like that but then there's others that rely on weights where you just let the weight go eventually you do have to like reset it because nothing is a perpetual motion machine but then that weight and just the way that it's geared and all the different springs and things that make it continue to run. And they got so fine and scientific that they made watches then later, and you can still get one like this, like wrist watches, that they continue to work with no battery, but they work off of the motion of you walking around and using your wrist builds up momentum that they keep time that way. So they need no battery, no solar power, no winding, and they operate in that way. So that's amazing to us that a human thought figured that out, how to do that, that's wild. And they figured it out not like 10 years ago, but it was like in the past 100 years. So before they had batteries and stuff, they figured out how to do that. So that's why a lot of times the earth is described as a clock in God or Jesus is the clockmaker who devised it to work so perfectly on its own.
1: So, like the the, the perpetual motion of the earth, the equilibrium around it. Oh, that that creates
0: gravity because it's moving constantly? Yes, right. So, that's one aspect of it that is an amazing thing. And you could say, OK, a clock, that's not a bad way to describe all of creation. But it's not quite. It's it's more than just a clock. You could say, oh, it's a machine that's even more complicated, like a, like a automobile or something like that. But that leaves out an aspect of it. It feels too cold, too unorganic. Um, <clears throat> Instead, it, it has no life to it. But you, then you could say, well, it's almost like a being, like a creature that's breathing and operating, which it does because it has creatures within it. And as, um, and that leads you close to a better metaphor because beyond just him creating this earth and then it operating, it's not like he just made the earth and then spun it and let it go, like that watch we talked about, and then it just keeps going and going and going, and he doesn't do anything with it. Like, he's not involved anymore. Because it needs him to constantly be putting the breath of life into it. How did he make man?
1: He breathed to the dirt.
0: Kind more than just he well, breathed into the dirt. He
1: breathed, I don't know, I can't remember it, exactly he breathed life into
0: the... The exact life. words, let me just make sure, but...
1: He breathed life
0: into the dirt. No, more than that, let's see, it's in verse, chapter... Well, there, it's in 2 and 1. have this written down to talk about this verse 7 of chapter 2 into his nostrils the he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul for all the other creatures that language is not used because we have a spirit so he is he has put into us this special breath of life because we are these caretakers where we have a role within creation. Because if you, lots of even secular scientists, philosophers, observers, archaeologists, all those ologies, they look at the world and they are always noticing a human footprint. You know I say, when I say, what I mean when I say a human footprint on the world—what's that mean, Natalia? Um, it's like a sign
1: that humans
0: Yeah, that you can see that we've been there. We're doing things, right now. In school, you may have experienced this already. If you haven't, stay there long enough, you will. How do you? What is the overall attitude around our footprint on the earth? Negative, right? We're messing it up. We're screwing up the world That's not at all what God's idea was do we mess some things up a lot of things we mess up a lot of things but Our his purpose was for us to have a footprint on the earth We're supposed to do be here using it and enjoying it But in a good way, right? So that's our job where we're putting He puts life into us. And then we do work. We do physical things and even spiritual things in the earth where we are also keeping it. um, Not that it needs us to keep it going, but we are a part of affecting it. Okay, so I want to look at how God is proclaimed by the entire universe tonight all right now we can't obviously look at the entire universe because we can't even see the entire universe right we're still waiting for light to come in from distant stars that have been there for so long or we can't see it because it's so far away that the light dissipates out before we see it but there are little things that we can look at how the um, the universe, the earth proclaims who God is to us. So, turn to Job, chapter thirty-eight. Job is before Psalms and Proverbs, towards the center of the Bible. Um, we've actually we've gone to Job a couple times in this series, maybe just once. Who can tell me real quick? In like three or four sentences, who Job is.
1: A guy that got his Satan was like, let me test it. And God was like, okay, you just can't kill him. Okay. So did really bad stuff to him, and Job was still like, I don't know why you're doing this to me, but I'm still gonna know where you.
0: Good. Why did Satan pick Job? he
1: was really faithful.
0: Yes, he was very faithful to God, and by Satan's own were um, Satan and God both said actually I take that back God said to Satan one time when Satan was there in front of him he said look at Job and how not that he was actually perfect but as close to perfect as a fallen human could be he said look how perfect Job is he does everything right and Satan said just let me have him for a couple weeks I'll make sure, I'll, he won't be so perfect anymore. All right. So we are, at least I think most of you are familiar with that part of the story. And what happens for the rest of the, like, 38 Poor chapters?
1: Poor man loses his shoulder. He does. Beat the dinosaurs.
0: Yes. What were you going to say? He's well, that usually most of that stuff happens in the first couple chapters. Right. Then what happens well, for the rest of the book?
1: Convincing, or trying
0: to convince him to something wrong, and then God comes down, in like a storm, I think, and then he yells at them. He, says him. he actually doesn't yell at the at his friends, although his friends are not the best friends. Okay. Not that everything they say is wrong, but their overall theology, how they look at the world and God, is not quite right. God actually comes down and after Job finally breaks his silence and talks, and God says, all right, Job, you need to get your act together and listen to me. He actually yells at Job, even though Job's the one who's just been beat up by Satan. But this is... And we're going to look at that part where God answers him. And like Gideon said, God answered Job out of a whirlwind. And this is what some of the stuff that he says to him. We're going to look at that because really what God does is he talks about the world, about earth, about animals, about things in it, and is asking Job questions about the world. So let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 3 to start of Job 38. Sorry, I might not have told you the chapter yet.
1: Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel thy word to that knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee answer thou.
0: Where was thou when I... Oh, laid- wait, let's pause there. We're going to pause. All right, so we got Job, right? Job. And God, out of a whirlwind, isn't the whirlwind, okay? And he tells Job, essentially he says to him, get ready, be a man, because I'm about to ask you questions. Because Job has been asking questions, his friends have been asking questions, and God says, all right, you think you're so hot with all your questions, here's some for you, get ready to answer them. And that's what it means to gird up your loins, is to essentially tighten up your belt, get ready. All right, let's go on and see what God asks him. And what... And if Job even has any answers for these. Verse 4. Go ahead, Gideon. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Do you know how its dimensions were you
1: determined and who did the
0: surveying? Verse 6.
1: Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof?
0: When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay, let's pause there. Sorry, I left I didn't address verse 2 yet, but what God is first asking about, what do you think that's describing?
1: Verse
0: 2. When he created the No, sorry, the word verses we just read. When he created the earth, when he created the earth right? He's yeah. talking about who uh, were you there when they when I made the stars? Were you there when the foundations of the earth were set? And Job is kind of just got nothing to say because what can he say to that? Now, let's just backtrack real quick to verse two. In verse two, God says to him, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? What do you think that means? You have a different version, Audrey?
1: No, I was just looking. There's notes on the side. This says vain talk. So like, the idea of like, darkening counsel by words, like who's talking trash? Right. Okay. okay.
0: Okay, that's closer. So, Gideon brought up light and truth.
1: So... I have the weird translated version that basically goes, "Who is that? This that questioned my wisdom with such ignorant
0: or But what was the last part?
1: With such ignorant words.
0: Okay, that's a good translation too. So what it means to darkness counsel? What what are you able to see when it's dark?
1: Nothing. Very, little. Very little.
0: Very little to nothing, right? If it's pitch black, you can't see anything. So this is. God is saying, who is this who's casting a dark cloud over real knowledge? And that's what he's referring to his friends, what they've been doing. And this made me think of in as our pop culture would call them today, they call these four guys, atheists, the four atheist horsemen, like almost like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but this is, that's pulp culture, pulp pop culture, then not understanding the Bible and the Four Horsemen. But these three are, they're basically saying these are the top atheists that are alive today. And they're kind of heralded as, wow, these guys are so smart. And you may have heard of some of these guys. Um, one is Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchinson, who has actually passed away a couple years ago, and Richard Dawkins, do you recognize any of those?
1: Um, Sam, kind of
0: Sam Harris, he's popular right now, what'd yeah, you say?
1: He, kind
0: of he He's actually, I have watched a lot of his debates over the years with other Christians. He is probably the most, um, at least he says comes from his heart even though it's not real. He's a very intense emotional, or was an intense emotional guy um, and I have read his book. He has one that is called God is Not Great is with the title of his book and it's basically his whole case saying God is not good. I look at all the terrible things he's done through history or and that other people have done in his name and then I've also read a um, uh, Richard Dawkins. One of his book, the um, his is called. I can't think of the name of his now. But his is actually even worse in the quality of. God
1: is not real, or something like
0: that. That might be it. I think that might be it. Um, and you li- I've li- and I've listened to Sam Harris as well as Richard Dawkins and many of over the years. them either in talks or debates with people, in interviews. And one thing, looking at all of them that they share, which is an odd thing, when they are denouncing God and truth from Him, that they are always really angry about it. They're always angry when they're talking about it. And, they off- and on top of that, they offer no hope because they have such a stark, and stripped of anything that is miraculous or awe-inspiring from their view of the world. Basically, um, you could sum up their outlook as the philosopher Hobbes said that life is nasty, brutish, and short. That's what he said all of life is. Nothing good in it pretty uh hopeless i guess but here's the thing though you can laugh at that and in a dark way but what do you say to somebody like that how do you respond
1: i would hand them a bible and say read this to cover the cover
0: well in by the way they talk about it, you can tell they have never read the whole Bible. You can tell. Exactly. <laughs> they pick out parts that sound terrible.
1: Force them to read the entire Bible.
0: Well, yes, but it's... here's the thing, and we'll get to that, is that you just, you can't say anything to them. You have to let God handle them. And that's what we see Job is doing here or not with Job, but what Job is experiencing is that God is actually speaking directly to them. His friends are there while God is speaking to Job. And no one's saying a word because how can they respond? All right, so he,
1: we're back
0: to Job where God is talking about creation here and how he did all these things and asking, where were you? How did it happen? Can you explain? And to this day, you can still ask people like Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris, both scientists, where you can say, how did the world begin?
1: <laughs>
0: and they have the exact same hurdle of proof that we have.
1: We got the big, bang. I mean, is what they try and
0: use. That and other things and a combination of things and they say the same thing to us. Well, will prove where's God. Well, will prove this Big Bang. Where's that? It's the same thing.
1: It kind of goes along with the Big Bang Except that. that, there's other worlds and that oh, it's well, yes, that's, and that's it's another thing,
0: but we won't get into that. That is true. Um, But at the core of their argument, ours at the core of it, is that there is a God that you can experience and you can know. That's how you can find out the truth. At the core of theirs, the way that they operate is they have a starting point of it cannot be God. That's not the answer. That's the basis of it. All right, let's continue with verse 8 to 11 now.
1: or who shut shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out
0: of the womb? Okay, what does that remind you of? The
1: flood.
0: The flood, right? We talked about that there were that there were big caverns below the surface and water shoots up out of it like a womb, right? And then the Here's the next verse that he asks. Verse 9. When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a sluggish band for it. Continue.
1: Where I locked behind barred gates, limiting the shores, and said, hitherto.
0: Hitherto. hitherto
1: shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud ways be safe.
0: Okay. He says, and then I stopped it. I kept it. I only allowed it to go so far. And then if we kept um, reading on, it says, and who caused it to subside? Who caused it to go away? And none of them can answer that either. Um, And to this day, you still have the same question because people are starting to say, um, kind of accept that there was a global flood or a near-global flood, even secular people, but they have totally other explanations for it. They want to have some other explanation than God, anything to have a different explanation.
1: The earth began to crack because of the shifting of time plates causing water to be erupted up due to the magnet well, there's the steam evaporation causing it to arrange for the cracks in the air. It's one of the erratic
0: Yes, that's one of them. Okay. So now, he also talks about who controls the clouds. Okay.
1: Who does have we the rotation on the earth?
0: Now, here's an, an interesting thing. Have you heard of cloud seeding? Cloud seeding, like S E E D. So they actually do a little bit of this. They create clouds um, specifically in Dubai. Do you know where Dubai is? I've
1: heard of Dubai. Dubai as It's in the Middle East. Like here, has Mumbai?
0: I think it's uh, actually part of Saudi Arabia. It's on the coast of one of the seas there, and very dry and very arid. They actually create clouds. They seed clouds because they don't get a lot of rain to to make, and they are mildly successful. But even if we're able to create a little cloud, okay, and create a little bit of rain, here's here's a question: Can you stop a hurricane? Can you stop it from raining? No. It's.
1: Unless you create a bio material. a. But
0: yet. No it's amazing to see man's pride at how they think they have control over the earth's environment it's
1: kind of all right bad.
0: we're gonna jump ahead in job um, well we're not going to read it because I don't want to run out of time so but if you were to read verse eight or er, yep eighteen through 19 through 22 and then it continues on it talks about horses he talks about how powerful that they are can you control them and he also talks about horses in battle about how um they they operate unafraid in battle and men have trained horses to attack in battle and to just to do their job and not turn away. But yet, how much control do you really have over a horse if it decides it doesn't want to do something?
1: A string, a carrot, not much. A if
0: it all of a sudden gets it in its mind that something scares it, it's mm-hmm. gone. You're gone a lot of times, right? We all, I think we all know a few people who have been injured by horses what do you because the horse in the world? end has a mind of its own and it's way more powerful than you. And like that's and here's a,
1: wolf, a horse will a bull. What happens right. if you had a string on the horse and your foot gets caught on the string and dragged along? And
0: yes, you, uh, many people have died from horses. And it's just, and you can say, oh, wow, yeah, of course, there's animals more powerful than us. But the amazing thing is that God created them and made them with just to make them for some things, but for us to use. Think of how integral the poor horse has been in our history as a gift from God to use. We've needed it to accomplish much of the things that we have. So we're going to continue on. Um, and God uses things like this to show us to show us what he can do creatively, and really to wow us, to put us in awe. What does awe mean? Not like, oh, that's a cute baby, but awe. Just like
1: stunned.
0: That's good. Stunned.
1: Speechless.
0: Speechless. Um, what's the word that we get from it?
1: Awesome.
0: Awesome, right? Because it's it's something that make that is makes you full of awe, where it is something that is beyond explanation that is magnificent a lot of times or powerful that is sometimes it can be terrible right as well it's not always a good connotation to be in awe of something and it works well for god and what he does because if you are not if you do not belong to him a lot of the things that he does should inspire fear in you right because of his ability if he's not on your side. All right, so we're going to, he uses creation. We just looked at a few things, but he uses it to teach us a lot of times, beyond it just to show how amazing God is, but he uses it to teach us about natural law. Have you ever heard of natural law? We haven't really talked about this. We have talked about things that fall into natural law through creation, through talking about the first 11 chapters of Genesis, but we haven't talked about this as a whole. Do you know what natural law is? I've heard
1: of it, and I know I've studied it, I just can't do it right
0: now. Something, this is something that, um, I think you're all familiar with the author, C.S. Lewis talks a lot about natural law in his Christian writings and in his stories. And it's an idea that humanity as a whole has been abandoning faster and faster over the past hundred years. So natural law is this idea that when God created the earth, that he infused it with this law, where it must follow these things or it doesn't work right. Think about it, um, you know how in science, in the study of science, we have discovered that there are certain laws. Mm-hmm. Laws of physics, right? Laws in chemistry, things like that. What are some of those laws?
1: No, law motion, staying motion. Okay,
0: motion. good. How about what's one that we all everyone knows and is probably gravity, Gravity, right? right? That's a law. I don't know which law it is. Don't (laughs) ask me to remember which one but that's something we all know. If something goes up, it's got to come down. The apple tree with Newton, right? Yes, it is one of those. So there's all these laws and those are a certain type of natural law. And most people accept those. There's oh, some, there's some the the weird the head ideas head. out there, too, that, that those things aren't necessarily real. But in general, people accept those natural laws. But there are other laws that God infused. Things like moral laws fall into these natural laws, where you can combine it. Now, what's a moral law?
1: <laughs> I the Ten thou shalt not okay. Thou shalt
0: not. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, how about thou shalt not steal? Yeah. Do you have to teach anybody that it is offensive? Not that you shouldn't do it, but that it is just instantly offensive to you if someone. Takes your lunch that you're eating.
1: That's actually happened before.
0: Everyone is instantly offended by that and says, Well, you can't do that, right? It's my Everyone has that reaction. Even even monkeys have that reaction, right? Even lions have that reaction. I didn't
1: really have a reaction when my cousin took my lunch at school before because she was pregnant.
0: Okay, well, you have, there's other things in that, right? Where that even brings up other more nuanced natural laws where you thought okay my cousin is pregnant she has if a she certain my level
1: pick her either way.
0: Well yes it's but she, she has she's family and she has a certain level of precedent over my need right because she has a smaller one inside of her okay whether you were thinking that at the time there, so these are the kinds of things where there's a natural law built into stuff um, and God is, teaches us these things by using nature to teach us, but also sometimes it's direct, like the Ten Commandments. Now, um, the problem is, is that even though these things are baked into the world, that something happened that disrupted this natural law. No? The
1: fruit.
0: And what about the fruit?
1: Um, I mean they fruit kind of start of this whole like destruction thing, added sin
0: to the order. Okay, sin, right? Sin is then interjected and messes up this law, right? It causes a disruption that makes people break the law. It's the first breaking of it. So let's go to Romans. You can leave Job now. We're going to go to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 19 to 22.
1: Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them. Of the world earth, the sea. are clearly being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, and God him that so that they are without excuse. Okay,
0: pause. Invisible things, God's glory, um, the awe. These things here, they are invisible, right? But what Paul is saying here, that God made them not invisible, but yet made it so that you could see them. He showed them to you through creation. Through creation, he has shown that you these invisible things. Let's go on with verse twenty-one and
1: twenty-two. One, chapter?
0: Three. yeah, chapter
1: one, verse twenty-one. Sorry. Okay. Um, twenty-one. Okay. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him, not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened.
0: No, it's darkened again. All right.
1: Professing themselves to
0: be to the Have you all heard that? Yes. Professing them, all right. So even I think of that often, more and more at every day it seems. But I forget about these other verses that we read before and after. And reading them again, it always sheds, it may sheds like a giant bright spotlight on everything that's happening in the world. Every time I read it. I, we did in Georgia with a, um, like a youth retreat but they have a camp at the church that we went to down there. The last camp that we were a part of for the teens, this was the series that we did down there. And it seemed like it fit perfectly six years ago. But it seems even more perfect when I'm reading it again today every time I look at this, it's like, wow, the Bible understands everything perfectly. Okay. So here it is saying that people start to slowly reject God. We are naturally we naturally slide away from God, slide away from his things. Even if it's not an outright rejection, we tend to slide, slide away from what God's word says.
1: Like and the
0: farther, hold on, the farther we get away from that, we become fools. When you are separated from God, you become a fool, which is mean, means that you don't value things that are good. Things that have value. And eventually what has happened, especially in our culture, is that we have no foundation in what God says. Our foundation is no longer this, the natural law, the moral law, let alone even talking about God. Because we've seen this happen, especially in the last 50 years, that they have taken God out of any textbook, out of any literature, then t- taken him out away from prayers, from lectures. He has slowly been removed. Yet they try to keep the good things that God put in creation, but they want them without him. And when I say they, it's not like this is, sometimes it's an intentional thing. Sometimes it's people just going with the flow just going along with it. And once God is gone and there's no grounding in these moral or natural laws, foolishness goes wild. It goes crazy. I'm sure you can think of some things, but there are even now things that seem harmless. Has anybody heard of UBI? UBI? Universal Basic Income.
1: I oh, like, right. you
0: know. There's been some yeah, yeah. political candidates in the last election, in this election, that throw this idea around there of like a- that because AI is going to take everyone's jobs, that eventually we are going oh, to yes. just need to get
1: like a like great.
0: a weekly two thousand or monthly two thousand dollars for everybody whether you're working
1: how or not. Everything
0: would be well, let, let's, so I don't money. even want to look at that aspect of it, but I want to look at what the Bible says. Be, the, the heart of this is you don't need to work. That's really the heart of it. We don't need to work. The AI is going to do it for us. But the truth has been that
1: yeah, in
0: us. nature, in this natural law, is... You work. And that doesn't necessarily mean after the sin came where it was through sweat and toil and thorns and weeds and all that.
1: But it was even
0: before that that our job was to tend and care for the Garden of Eden. Enjoyable work, right? Nobody said work has to be not fun. It just is in our sinful world a lot of times. But sometimes it is fun, right? I've done work work that is fun.
1: You never work a day in your life if you love what you do.
0: Well, how about this if you're doing God's work? A lot of times that can be really enjoyable. So, let's I'm not going to have you turn there so we have enough time, but if you were to go to Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 You're probably familiar with this as well. But this is God's word. This is how he uses creation to explain the natural law of how things are meant to be. Go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, that is the ants have no guide, no seer, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of your hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth in thy want as an armed man. Simple, right? God says you're not supposed to just sit around and do nothing. It's part of the way I set things up. I made you to be a creature that's creative to do things.
1: Because the queen of the ants just sits around, breeds, lays the eggs, kills, like has all the other females killed, has all the male workers and gather materials.
0: I think you're thinking of bees. No, because they yeah. have
1: female worker bees.
0: Yes, they do have female worker bees. Okay, but that's not the point. The point is all is how the ants work as a society. Okay, now it talks about that you will be have poverty if you don't work now that doesn't just mean you won't have money
1: means no food no material doesn't
0: just mean no food or
1: earthly things
0: well okay you can get into the health part right but listen It rots away your mind and your soul it'll cause you to be depressed it'll make you feel worthless if you are not contributing anything and we get even a false sense of contribution sometimes but the real the greatest contribution is contribution to God's kingdom that's the whole purpose of having it of needing that okay back in Romans because that's just one small thing of what happens when you get away from God's, what God says and you start taking him out. Let's look at verse 23 through 25. It gets more serious. And
1: instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-loving God, they worship idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. Wherefore God also gave them up unto um, up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever.
0: For, amen okay worship the creature more than the creator what creature do we worship more than any other
1: turtles snakes
0: humans right we like to to worship ourselves, us—that's who we. L-
1: Self care is important.
0: That's what our leaning is towards because of sin, because it is entered in, and that's that's how that sin entered in in the first place, right? We looked um, many weeks back. We looked at with Levi that that was Satan's sin is to be like God or to be above God, and that's the sin that he tried to get. Eve and Adam to also fall into is to worship themselves and this is exactly what Paul is talking about here he says that's what you Gentiles are doing he's not talking about although it can be applied to today but he's talking about then right after Jesus was alive he's talking about those people then so in verse 24 Paul says God says go ahead If you want to just do whatever you want, you want to take me out of it, go ahead. See what it's like without me. This letter is to the Romans. Um, This is entering into the time of Nero in the Roman Empire. And they did a lot of the same things that we are doing. Now, they didn't start out as a country founded to have freedom of religion and to be able to, um, to serve God, the true God. But what they did get to was they were rejecting the idea of husband and wife. They were rejecting the idea of family. And it, when they did that, it destroyed any stability that they have not just in a family but when you do not have that natural law of that God made man he made woman and that's it and that they are to be if they choose to be married to be husband and wife together and then they are to then they have a family and that they stay together, and that they care for that family the way that they're supposed to be and follow all of those laws, both natural and what God gave us, that that really starts to affect every aspect of one's life negatively. Secular men are even now warning people and, and saying, people who study history, people who study um, sociology and things like that, like societies are saying, we, the end of a society on earth, like a great culture like the Romans or uh, the Greeks are signaled by the blurring of the lines between what a man and a woman are and the, the destruction of the traditional family. Is
1: America going to be disrupted soon?
0: I don't know. But you if you look at history, this is what happens. But more importantly, is that this is what God says. It says it right here because if you we go on, God says that. The family to God is sacred. It's the only way that it works. He set it up there from the very beginning. We look at Genesis chapter 3. He explains what it's supposed to be. And then we look here, verse 26 through... I will read for you if you want to follow along. For this cause God gave them up to vile afflictions. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust towards one another. Men with men, working that which was unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, that is um, a um, rebellious mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, Deceit, malignity, which is like evil, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implicable, unmerciful.
1: It's basically, evil.
0: Yeah. And a lot of specific things that you can think of examples today. And there's another time that you can think of those examples hmm. that happened in the past.
1: Honestly, it's like think about a mileage trip to uh, Alabama.
0: Way farther back than that. We studied it. <inaudible> yeah, it did happen then and they were destroyed, but before that, the flood. The flood. Right? Exactly the same things. Exactly the same things happened. The final result is that there is no truth. You see this more and more where people are divided, where it's true if I say it's true. It's everyone makes their own truth.
1: Like how
0: adults go, because I said so. No, different than that. Um, But really, what a nightmare that is. That everyone has their own truth. And nobody can agree on what that is, what the truth is. There's no stability at all in that. The first sign, we talked about other signs throughout this, but the first sign that you see of the downfall of a society is the rejection of God. That's what happened when it was just Adam and Eve in the garden. The first thing that they did was to rebel against God. Rebel against something that he told them was good for them to do. If
1: you tell somebody not to do something, the more they're going to want to do it, the more likely they are to Well,
0: that's do it. part of our sin nature, right? And we see that even within our own society. That we've started out where we came here to America from other countries to become to be able to worship God, just to be able to go to a church and not have somebody dictate
1: whether we could read up, the
0: Bible or not. And then it in our colleges, all the Ivy Leagues but one that were founded at the beginning of our nation every one of their mottos had god in it somewhere every one of them and slowly they've abandoned that they they're the probably the only reason they keep their mottos is cuz it's in latin and nobody knows what it says <laughs> and we've slowly taken god out of everything now I know that sounds awful. It's a depressing way to end the series that things are getting worse. But God has promised to be faithful to those who are faithful to him. doesn't mean that things won't be hard, that they won't be difficult, but he he has promised throughout the Bible and many times to preserve the remnant. preserve those who are, remain and who are faithful. Doesn't mean that terrible things might not happen to you, but in the end there will be a reward for those who follow him and are faithful to him. Those who are willing to seek out the truth and to know the know what is true. That's what what Jesus asked for in the end. He says that He's going to reward anyone who's seeking after him, seeking after the truth. He just wants you to knock, and he will open unto you. All right, thank
1: you very much.